Merry Christmas. For the last three weeks, we have been anticipating the birth of Jesus Christ. That is, after all, the meaning of Advent, preparing our hearts for his arrival. We've heard from Pastor Dave about our great problem. Mankind is a sinner, separated from God, totally depraved and unable to do anything to save ourselves. We heard from Pastor Jory about our great promise, a promise that though we could do nothing to save ourselves, God would come and save us. We heard from Pastor Jason about the great prophecies, how through time God proclaimed who this promised Savior would be and what he would do. And now today on Christmas morning, we look at the presence of that prophesied promise that would save us from our great problem that is our need to be saved from our sins. Today I want to talk to you about the presence of God in the person of Jesus Christ. I'm going to be teaching in a little bit different way than I have in other holidays or how I do normally on Sunday mornings throughout the year. I'm going to do what's kind of called a a running commentary narrative. It's kind of a mix between a narrative story and exegetical teaching. If I could put it into a picture, if you will, because I learn through pictures. If I could put it into a picture, I'm going to weave, I hope, a creative writing with the reeds of exegetical teaching to create an impassioned basket of truth. Did you follow that? I didn't. But it sounded good on Tuesday. No. Now, this type of teaching creates some logistical problems for me. In that while it contains a great deal of research, it's not conducive to stop and cite all those during its delivery. To do so may distract us from the emotive point of such a style of teaching. So I want to make it clear here this morning. I have personally created this message and drawn from all of these sources as well as my own understanding to create this running commentary that it is my hope is so full of rich content and doctrine and truth that it demands, now get ready for this, it demands an impassioned response. A response to the truth of how God's presence in the flesh changes everything. So that I'm clear, I will be giving a request, an opportunity, a call, an appeal, if you will, that right where you sit, to allow yourself to respond emotionally to the doctrine and the truth of this deep theology that we are about to hear. Now, That can be awkward for many people, and it is immensely awkward for a card-carrying Baptist. Can I get a witness to that at all? You know, this is our style of response. Did you see it? So I'll make you a deal. If you do not agree with, or these truths do not move you, by all means, remain unresponsive. 
But if you agree, at the end, I am going to extend an invitation, a, an opportunity, a call, right where you're at, right where you sit or stand, for you to emotionally respond to doctrinal truth. For some of you, that might be silent tears. For others, that might be lifting your hands and rejoice. Grace, you're good at that. Maybe you can lead us this morning. For some of us, others, we may lift our hands and rejoice. Some may shout amen, and others might just whisper, holy. But I'm asking you, don't allow the truth that we are about to hear to die in your head. That happens too much. Let it renew your heart. That's Romans 12. So to break the ice, I'm going to ask that you stand and greet one another in a moment. I want you to say amen. I want you to, or amen. I want you to say, I do want you, but not yet, all right? I want you to say hallelujah. I want you to say glory. I want you to say amen. I want you to say holy. But right now, I just want you to kind of break that ice a little bit. Greet one another, say Merry Christmas, and let them know that however you may respond to the truth at the end, that you will not judge them. So with that being said, let's greet one another briefly. Please stand and say Merry Christmas to one another. Hey. All right, very good. Thank you. You are ordered. You are ordered to return to your seats. Merry Christmas to you all. My friends, what I want us to do right now is I just want you to be here. Just be here. It's something I always say to my my kids. Just be where you're at. Stop being a destination type of person and be a journey type of person. Just enjoy this moment. Clear your mind of all the busyness that you have today. For I'm going to be about 25 minutes. Take peace in that. Can I get a witness? (laughs) Roughly 25 to 45 minutes (laughs) is all we're going to have together this morning. And just be here. Just listen. Just hear. Just observe. Just learn. And then give yourself permission to feel the Word of God come alive. For that's kind of 
everything Christmas is about. And the Word came alive. It became flesh. If you allow me, I want to lead us in a moment of prayer before we begin. And I am going to invite you to close your eyes if you want and pray with me three things. Because church, in order for us to appreciate His presence in the manger, we must understand and appreciate His presence in eternity far before that straw ever came out of the ground. So let's, let's pray for a moment. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Christ Mass, the gathering together of your people to worship Christ. Where else would we be on Christmas than massing together around Christ? Father, give me ears to hear. Give me eyes to see, give me a heart to feel. I pray this for my church family, a truth to know, a Lord to serve, a joy to express, and awe to ponder. Father, I pray that these dear people here just see you. Just you. And so, Father, I pray this and I ask this in your Son's precious and holy name. And if you are ready this morning, say amen. amen. What if you said hallelujah? Hallelujah. That was a three-syllable word, I know. No. Four-syllable word. Here we go. There is no time. There was no then and is no there. There is just always is. To say that time was folded upon itself and never ending razor thin creases is to fall absurdly short of the eternal existence of Jesus. Before time and space, He is. Before planets ever collected dust and the stars radiated heat, He is. Before the waters of the earth ever rippled, Jesus is. You see, when the Holy Spirit inspired the fishermen named John, well, think about that. The hand that gutted fish to stay alive will write the words of God that will never die. We see it when John wrote these beautiful words, In the beginning was the Word. The word beginning here is the Greek word arche. It simply means the source and the origin of all that is and ever will be. Everything that was, is, and ever will be was the Word. And, And the Word was here is written in the imperfect tense which describes the continual, never-ending action pushing backwards. It points back to the eternal existence and the origin of everything that was, is, and ever will be, was. So the question rises. 
what was eternally present and existing before the origin and source of everything that ever was? And the answer is simple. It's right there. The Word. By the way, this is, this is a title for Jesus. It's a name for Christ. It would have exploded in the minds of both Jews and Gentiles. You see, when we think of the, 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 the phrase, the word, we think of the Bible. We think of prophecy. We think of things like, what's the good word? But here, it is a name of Jesus After all, that's what the Apostle John is writing about when he pins this with his fish-stinking-scarred hands. Hebrews 1, 1 1-12 tells us that God the Father has given us His Word through His Son, Jesus Christ. And then John, just to make it abundantly clear, Make sure we know that he is talking about Jesus. Just look at it. The ever-existing source of all that is, Jesus Christ the Word, was with God. Oh, the English fails here. It fails miserably. It falls to the ground and gives us the impact here. It literally is proston theon. It had interaction with himself with response. Literally translated, God facing God. God facing Himself. God the Father face to face with Jesus, the Word, in eternal fellowship with each other and Himself. You see, it's not that Jesus just existed, but that He existed with God as God. You see, God is three in one. His pronouns are He, His, Him, they, them, theirs, us, ours, and I. And together in eternal, infinite, plural, singular God that our finite brains cannot fathom is that Jesus is God with God in fellowship with God who is Himself God. Boom! Who can know His ways? We see the spill out of the Word of God. In the very beginning when he said, let us make man in our image. Contrary to many other false religions, Jesus is never created. Jesus was not a man who became like God, but quite the opposite. Jesus is God who became like man. And then John just dips his quill into the ink and he just declares it. And the Word was God. By now our minds should be swimming in theological depths that our feet will never possibly touch. And that is good and it is right. For only in acknowledging His incomprehensible immensity can we fully appreciate the nativity. And in a place outside of time, Jesus existed. And He has face-to-face fellowship with God as God. Oh, what, pray tell, did a triune God talk to Himself about? What discussions could we possibly comprehend? Things we cannot fathom. But one conversation we do know is that they talked about and decided to create. They created because God is creative. Their creation expresses the and declares the glory of God. 
We see this in the very next words when he says, All things came into being through him, and apart from him, not even one thing ever came into being that has ever come into being. I want you to hear this complicated thought that transcends our ability to comprehend. If nothing came into being without Jesus, and he is the creator of all things, then Jesus himself is uncreated. He is the self-existent, the great and ever-existing I Am. From everlasting to everlasting, Jesus is the Word. Jesus is God. Oh, is it even wonder why the Son of Mary would proclaim, I and my Father are one. Together they said, let there be light. With a spoken word, they created the earth and separated the elements. They breathed out the sun and whispered the stars into existence. And day after day after day after day after day, they created. And on the sixth day in their image, they created out of the dust of the ground. You. Me. Man. In God's image we were created. Morally innocent we were created to join their never-ending fellowship with each other. Until we desired to be independent from Him. And sinned. Oh, Houston does not have a problem today. Humanity has a massive problem on that day. We wanted to be like God. We wanted to be independent from God. My friends, do we not struggle with the very same things today, right now? Sin separated us from the ever-existent, always holy God. To be clear, none of this surprised the Word. Jesus created man knowing we would sin and that he would have to die for us. Revelation 13 tells us from the foundations of the world, the lamb would be slain. Why would God create which he knew he would have to die for? Because here it is, God is love. God is agape. Jesus in His undeniable nature, is to sacrifice and unconditionally love for God so loved the world that He gave Himself. God so loved the world that He gave His Word. He gave His Son. And in a moment in time that cannot be traced, our plural yet singular God in ever pure fellowship with Himself knew that creating flesh would require that He would have to become flesh and dwell among us. Old church, how sacrificial, how unconditional is the love of God. Oh, the hymnist said it best when he penned, Could we with ink the oceans fill, and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God in the sky above would drain the oceans dry. And when the oceans were dry, we would see that upon our demise, that our God's love is what drove Adam and Eve out of the garden so they might not remain forever broken in a sinful condition. 
You see, it's not that God's rage drove man out, but primarily his love. Then the Lord God said, Behold, lest man put out his hand and also take of the tree of life and eat and live forever in his sinful state. Therefore the Lord God sent us out of the garden, and in love he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way of tree of life so that we would not be eternally damned. And as they were driven out of the garden from the one thing that would seal their damnation, God told His helpless creation, I will come to get you. Jesus, the Word, will become flesh. Oh, my friends, if the Gospel is anything, if Christmas a reminder, it is God coming to get us. Now in those days, a decree went out from Caesar. Let a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. And all the people were on their way to be registered for the census, each to his own city. Now Joseph also went up to Galilee, in the city of Nazareth, to Judea, to a city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and the family of David in order to register along with Mary who was engaged to him, betrothed to him, and she was pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth and she gave birth to her firstborn son and she wrapped him in clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly afraid. And so the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be to all people. For today in the city of David there has been born to you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angels a multitude of the heavenly army of angels praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Oh, and listen to the election of this. Peace among whom he is pleased. When the angels departed, they went into heaven. The shepherds began saying to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem to see that which has happened. And the Lord has made known to us. And they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and a baby as he lay in the manger. And when he had seen them, they made known the statement that had been given to them about the child. And all who heard were amazed at the things that were told to them by the shepherds. And Mary treasured these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen just as what was told them. And God said, I'll come get you. Far before the sixth day of creation. Far before he ever collected the dust of the ground and blew the breath of life and formed humanity, Jesus knew he would have to become human. And how would this journey to becoming human begin? Church, I want you to hear this, and if you agree with it, say amen. How would Jesus to become human with the most human thing imaginable? Friends, there is nothing more human than paying taxes. Amen? 
Can you hear Joseph grumbling? They appeared to be nothing more than a helpless pawn forced on an 80-mile, three-day journey from a disrespected town of Nazareth to travel to a littler town of Bethlehem just to pay taxes to a brutal dictator that loved money and power. A question came to my mind when studying this. Have you ever found it puzzling that the God who sovereignly used a Roman tax edict to get Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem didn't sovereignly arrange a room for them when they got there? There is no room in the inn. But apparently there is plenty of room in a virgin's womb. And as this virgin traveled, the thumping heart of God was beating quickly in her womb. Think about it, my friends. The Creator is being created. He who is spirit is becoming pierceable. He who is larger than the universe and embryo. He who sustains all things will die without the milk of a teenager. He who wore the robes of eternity will soon be wrapped in rags. Oh, did He not come to get us? And then the time came for her to give birth. The earth is cold. The floor is dirty. The stench of birth mixed with manure and straw fills the air. He could not be further from his eternal throne. With trembling hands, Joseph grasps the head of God, slippery with blood. And with one more push, with the flow of blood and water, Jesus' limbs wave helplessly in the air as if falling through space, his face grimacing as his cry pierced the night. Oh, don't let this moment slip by on the floor where livestock would gather. In Bethlehem, a teenage girl who never knew a man gave birth to the everlasting God. Oh, do you see it? Lying in the manger is the eternal Word. Oh, allow all that we have studied to fill your mind and allow it to fill your heart. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. Do you hear him coo? Do you see him blow bubbles of spit? He who sustains the universe cannot control his bowels. The eternal, ever-existing word is now wordless. And while God can no longer talk, An angel will not remain silent. And he steps in to the unbearable silence of that night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood near them. And there were shepherds staying out in those fields. Notice Jesus could not be born in a more lowly manner. And the first to hear of his arrival is the lowest of the low. This news was not given to the high and mighty, but the needy. The only people lower than a shepherd in this culture are lepers. My friends, Jesus doesn't come to those who have it all together. Jesus doesn't come to the self-sufficient. The gospel is for those who understand their desperate need. It is why Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who know they are helpless without Christ. And suddenly there appeared an angel 
in a multitude of heavenly army of angels praising God. One by one, the cherubims cannot be silent. Ten by ten, the seraphims join in, hundreds by hundreds, thousands by thousands, until countless numbers fill the night sky from horizon to horizon, from helmed cherubims to sordid seraphims, in ranks and wings displayed, in stars with deep amaze. They all stand in steadfast gaze, and together they proclaim, Glory to God in the highest, for unto you is born this day, God has come to get us. Oh, is this not good news with great joy that will be for all people? And nothing represents all people more than a lowly shepherd that no one could give a rip about. Oh, do you see it in those fields at night? We are those shepherds. You are that shepherd. We are the shepherds sitting in the darkness of our sins. We are the shepherds in desperate need of seeing and hearing the light of the gospel prophesied even 700 years ago. My friends, we are those shepherds. For whatever your situation, Jesus can deliver you. Whatever your stage, how broken, how hard, how lonely, how rejected, how despised, the Word who is wordless in Bethlehem has come to get you. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. But these shepherds would have never known Jesus if they said, good to know. Knowing about Jesus is not knowing Jesus. Let me say that again. Knowing about Jesus, being raised in Grand Rapids, Michigan, under the banner of cultural Christianity, knowing Jesus is not knowing Him. Like the shepherds, we must respond. Oh, can you see them running through the hillside? Are you impressed as they leap over the Judean fences, entering the little town of Bethlehem, searching every stall until they found a teenage girl holding the face of God? But it cannot stop there. It's not enough to hear about Jesus. It's not enough to sing, O little town of Bethlehem. It's not enough to peek at Him and walk away because the overwhelming truth is that unless our heart is His Bethlehem and our life is His vacancy, even if Jesus was born in Bethlehem a thousand times, it means nothing if He is not born again in you. My friends, do we not see that Christmas morning is not a season where we remember the goodness of man, but rather the undeniable reminder of our sinful condition and the unbelievable grace and love of God. And Mary touches the face of God and she whispers, How long was your journey? We can't begin to comprehend the answer to such a question. But just maybe, just maybe, with all that we have just heard, we can begin to understand a little bit better what Paul wrote in Philippians when he said, Jesus Christ, who has already existed in the form of God in eternity past, in the beginning was the Word did not consider equality with God something to be demanded, even though He was God. 
but emptied himself by taking the form of a bondservant and taking the likeness of man and the word became flesh. It's just everywhere. And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Death on the cross. Brothers and sisters, do we now see the answer to our problem? The promise that was kept, the prophecy that was fulfilled, the presence of God on a stable floor, and it is here that we must allow this truth to overflow our mind and saturate our hearts. Our minds have to have fellowship with our emotions, our ears to subdue our fears, and our eyes likely to fill with tears. My friends, Christmas is not about rocking around the Christmas tree. It's not about Santa Claus coming to town. It is about the forever existing, uncreated, triune, timeless, unconditional, self-sacrificing, self-emptying, loving God who poured Himself on the floor of a feeding trough in human flesh to save us who left Him. O Church of Christ, it is here where I invite you to let your mind grant you permission to react to these truths today. What good is truth if we cannot respond to it? How shall we worship if we never fall to our knees? Rejoice if we never stand? Make a joyful noise if we cannot speak? O brothers and sisters, allow your hearts to say amen. For unto us a child is born. To your feet even stand. For unto us a son is given. Shout hallelujah for a babe is the mighty God. Clap your hands for He is the everlasting Father. And let your heart and mind renew for Christ. Christmas Day is the day that God came to get you. Oh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. For today, our eternal Savior has come near. Is He not worthy?